0: Well, welcome to a new episode of the Film Stage Show. Brian J. Rowan uh famously hates Infinity Pools, so he had to step out uh for this this episode. And I'm here, Jordan Raup, your benevolent Lord and Master, assuming hosting duties. Uh as usual, joined by Bill Graham and Robin Barr. Uh, we're gonna be reviewing Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool, uh, which is now in theaters and recently available digitally. So uh yeah, we're delighted to also be joined by special guest Josh Bell. Josh, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I am
1: special guest Josh Bell. I am a film critic and writer and the co-host of the podcast Awesome Movie Year with comedian Jason Harris and uh, I write for a whole bunch of various outlets that uh, would take half the
0: podcast to name but I'm happy to be here. Nice. Well we're very excited to have you to talk about this film Um, and, and before I get to kind of the preamble Bill, Robin, anything Robmo, would you like to share a little update on your current situation for the listeners? Oh, yeah,
2: sure. (laughs) So people haven't heard the the last couple of episodes, I actually recently had double jaw surgery for medical reasons. Um, As my lovely co-host Brian likes to say, I had my jaw consensually broken. Um, I am about three weeks into healing. So if I sound a little strange, it's because my face is very stiff swollen and uh the entire bottom half of my face is numb so apologies uh for not sounding like my normal self but I am doing my best
0: a perfectly Cronenbergian setup for this podcast
2: (laughs) exactly (laughs) talk about body horror
0: (laughs) exactly no I'm I'm glad you're feeling a bit better and yeah like I said each episode from here on in will will get better for you hopefully so that is uh that is good um all right. Fingers well, crossed. yes, yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, as everyone who has listened before knows, but you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Film Stage Show, email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. You can become a patron of this podcast by visiting the thefilmstage show. For as little as $1 an episode, you can get access to our private Slack channel and a first crack at our raffles and other fun stuff. Uh, and as always, this episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there is always something new to discover. With MUBI, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. And uh, recently, they have some pretty great films, two of my all-time favorites. They have Bong Jun hos The Host. Uh, you guys fans, have you seen The Host? Yes,
2: I have, actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah just super, The Host is great. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, their little synopsis says, having turned the police procedural on its head with the magnificent memories of murder, director Bong jun ho looked into the kaiju movie or looked to the kaiju movie for his next genre recalibration, a supremely entertaining monster mash. The host marries political satire to family drama in an action extravaganza for the ages. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend that one. And then they also have actually one of my all-time favorites that I only watched for the first time last year, but it instantly vaulted uh, up there for me, which is um, Albert Brooks's Modern Romance. Uh, which is a dark comedy masterpiece, uh, just hilarious. So, highly I love recommend. Him. That. Yeah, he he is the best. He's um, kind of undersung. Yeah, agreed. I like. I've been revisiting because I had not seen them when they come out. When they came out, obviously, because I was way too young. But his kind of all the films he's directed, and they're all pretty great. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully, he makes some more one of these days. Um, Did he
2: also direct "Defending Your Life"?
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, that's a really good movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, that um and then I haven't seen he's done da- the one um USA is in the title. I forget the one that uh oh, lost in America, yeah. That's the one that I have not seen. Um, but yeah, uh he's he's really good, really smart, smart director. Um so yeah, um you can try Mubi for free uh for 30 days at Mubi.com slash filmstage. That's M U B I dot com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So definitely check that out. Um, so, yeah, we are here today to talk about uh, little Davey Cronenberg's uh, son made a movie <laughs> called, I should say, Little, little, Brandy,
2: Cron- Cronenberg. little Brandy Cronenberg. <laughs> uh,
0: so, obviously, last year we got Crimes of the Future from, from his father, and this year we have uh, Brandon Cronenberg's uh, third directorial feature uh, after Antiviral and Possessor, which is Infinity Pool. Uh, which premiered at Sundance and then uh, in a rapid succession, Neon <laughs> released it uh, like during Sundance pretty much, which is which is kind of a rarity. Um, and yeah, I think it was a smart move, kind of riding the buzz off that, but we'll talk about it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to just have a little uh, synopsis here and then we'll jump to the trailer, then we'll dive into our thoughts. So uh, guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic accident soon leaves them facing a zero-tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed or you're rich enough to afford, or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. So here's the trailer for Infinity Pool. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's One day, let's mix things up a bit. Ah, You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been reading six years for your second
2: book. Is it coming out soon?
0: I'm working on it. What do you do for money then?
2: You married Rich. Oh.
0: <laughs> I actually came here looking for inspiration. All right, and we're back. Um, so as always, we'll kick off uh, with our guest uh, for some nutshell thoughts before we uh, go around share our own thoughts and then dive into uh, deeper into the film. So Josh, do you want to kick things off? What What did you think of Infinity Pool? I liked
1: it. I, I feel like I'm sort of in the tank for this Cronenbergian body horror stuff. I love early David Cronenberg. I liked Brandon Cronenberg's previous films. And we actually on Awesome Movie Year just recently did an episode on his film Antiviral. So I was really like in the Cronenberg headspace kind of coming to this film. And I think he, he really scratches that itch. You know, David Cronenberg came back with Crimes of the Future, like you said, recently, and that was his first movie in this style in quite a long time. But in the meantime, I think Brandon was really uh, filling that void, uh, which, which is perhaps another Cronenbergian thing to do. And uh, yeah, I thought this movie was one of the better, if not my favorite, of this recent sort of trend of rich people are awful and let's see them suffer. Kind of movies. I like adding the sci-fi element to it, and um, maybe not everything works perfectly. I feel like it is maybe a bit anticlimactic at the very end, maybe a bit repetitive at times. But overall, I really enjoyed this film.
0: Nice. Uh, all right, Robin, what, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so you know, I I was so into the trailer for this movie. Like my husband and I went to see Megan. Um, or Mathurigan, mm-hmm. as you like to say, oh, and
0: <laughs> the bitch
2: <laughs> yeah, the bitch, and uh, you know, there were like a million of those sort of like Bloomhouse type of trailers, and this was the only one where I was like, holy fuck, like, what is this movie? I am down for this, and you know, unfortunately, I was like a bit disappointed, because you know, it, like, it's a vibe, you know, as the kids say, like, there's certain elements of possessor that I see in this movie kind of in the sort of hallucinogenic filmmaking style and yet I just kind of found myself like a little bit bored Josh you kind of alluded to this but it it is kind of repetitive in its motifs and ultimately it just came across to me like a sort of half-baked class commentary like You know, I totally agree with you. Like, there are tons of films right now that are really kind of aiming at, like, the 1%. And I wanted the movie to maybe say a little bit more about, like, imperialistic culture because it's set in this, you know, resort island where rich people can basically do whatever they want and feel like the native people or the indigenous people of that island are savages and you know there's all this stuff that it sort of alluded to but ultimately it just didn't seem like as well thought out as it could have been based on like the high concept uh i will say the saving grace for me was mia goth or is it Goth or goth i'm not actually sure um i think she's excellent i felt like i was totally on the money like three years ago when I was hyping her because she was so, so good in the comedy, Emma, um, you know, the the Jane Austen adaptation. I loved her so much in that. And I was just like, oh my God, like she's the next big thing. She plays like a sort of dim-witted English Rose in that movie, had no idea that she would sort of become this new scream queen. And, you know, she's totally impressed me since then. I can't wait to see more of her in in the T-West movies. And, you know, she's just, like, so weird and interesting. And I don't know if it's her eyebrows or something, but she, like, she does crazy so well. So I loved her in this. Uh, that probably elevated the movie for me because she plays such a strange character. Ultimately, just it doesn't go far enough, I think, uh, which is strange considering these are, you know, this is a Cronenberg. But, oh, well.
0: Nice. All right, Bill, what did you think?
3: Yeah. Um I think it goes plenty far. Uh I I do think maybe it doesn't say enough. Um and I think this film is all show, no tell. Um and so it is showing us so much, but it doesn't it, it doesn't kind of hit you over the head with what it's trying to say, but at the same time I think I think it's lacking in that um i think it doesn't go far enough in in that way in what it's trying to say um i think it just shows a lot um and you know maybe these are provocateur kind of filmmaker you know hallmarks right where it's more interesting to talk about the film maybe than it is to actually watch the film sometimes um and i certainly think you know uh having listened to another podcast on this movie um, with Jordan Cruciola, uh, actually, as the guest. Uh, I think this oh, I love her. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. I'll, I'll, I'll check that out here in a second. Yeah, I think I she know,
2: was I on that. I, I saw her write about it.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And she did a great review on that. Her and the co-host were great on that and, uh, you know, brought up a lot of themes and had a lot of fun conversation about it. Um, I think that 20 minute conversation that happened on the movie was more enjoyable than watching the movie, which, uh, you know, uh, says that's a tall a order music. for us <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, well this this podcast will not be 20 minutes i can guarantee you that unless we stop right now um but that being said uh i i, I just think that sometimes these provocateur filmmakers you know again uh it's not that they ha- are hollow or anything like that it's just sometimes it's 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 tough to thread that needle of both right and i certainly think he he hit it out of the park with just making this sometimes not excruciating but just just an adventure to watch um i watched this with one of my buddies uh (laughs) instead of uh going to a theater uh now i own this movie um and so yeah uh it was it was interesting watching this in the middle of the day on like a friday um (laughs) while my wife was at work um yeah uh this is a this is a hell of a ride so uh if you think you kind of know what you're gonna get yourself into um if you've seen uh cronenberg's other films uh antiviral was was uh dropped i saw that one at a film festival actually got the interview cronenberg um but you know uh i didn't i didn't catch possessor so i'm not sure how much uh body horror that goes into but uh it it seems like it from the poster uh he he likes fucked up faces i guess maybe maybe that's a thing here uh i'm not sure if those masks i mean i don't think this is a real country right um but no it it is not not. yeah Yeah. Uh, i don't think those masks like what the fuck is that so you know um and if you've seen the trailer you know exactly what i'm talking about in terms of the mask. um unless you actually think those are real faces and then you know oops spoiler but uh yeah uh what else would i like to say um Mia Goth has no eyebrows. That's it's strange. It's strange to to see her, <laughs> uh, her her act and like see her be like a, a big star now. Because yeah, Robin, you you mentioned it. Like she's she's like, you know, carved out a little bit of a screen queen kind of thing uh, with all the Ty West films. Uh, and I mean, had this been released last year, that would have made three fucking horror films starring Mia Goth in one year that would have been and uh, like this film does not have enough special effects that it needed to come out uh this month like it, it could have came out in december or whatever so yeah it's it's wild so um with that i'll hand it over to jordan <laughs> nice
0: yeah yeah i uh i'm i mostly enjoyed it i so i had seen uh possessor i had not seen an antiviral before but um yeah like i mean i really enjoyed how possessor kind of went a little more like incoherent but amped up like kind of like just like the intense experience you're having while watching the movie because it gets goes to crazy places and i was hoping this movie would be a little more like amp up that more just kind of you know cerebral kind of intensity and i think it does end up in a place that's a little more you know straightforward and um which is which is okay and I, it was actually nice to see like you know, after doing possessor, like see Brandon Cronenberg do something that's a little more like it's weird to say audience friendly, but like <laughs> like the the structure <laughs> and story of the movie is like a little more, you know, it's like anyone could kind of watch and understand where it's going, whereas outside of maybe a few sequences. but um, you know, well, this like, movie he,
2: also has hot people,
0: right. His last exact, movie well, did
2: not <laughs>
0: right. that goes that goes away. I mean, I mean everyone likes Chris Rabbit a little, bit, but yeah, I, I agree do we
3: though?
0: Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I like thought this movie was actually hilarious, which I feel like is kind of getting undervalued and it's uh, in the responses I've seen from across the board, like anytime, you know, you know, I will talk about it, but like the scene where, you know, someone gets stabbed like 35 times in the chest, like it just like reaches a level of, of like goes above and beyond like any sort of breaking point of like what, what would be expected that it like just reaches a level of like kind of like ridiculousness, which is like funny to me. Um, And so it was a joy though. Yeah. I mean, I I like Mia Goth, but I also thought like Alexander Skarsgård really like after the, after the Northman and this like just has a no reservations kind of like I'll do whatever for the director kind of attitude, which I, I love. And I feel like he, you know, really is great in this role. Um, And yeah, I I do agree. It kind of Peters out towards the end. I also had like a little bit of issues with like the cinematography in some ways there's, some of the hallucinogenic stuff is fun like the the orgy stuff which we'll talk about but the there was a certain like weightlessness to the images by like as it got towards the second half that I felt like and I think some of this also has to do with Tim Hecker's score which is great in parts but it also there's like a dreaminess to it that you kind of just you know this whole movie feels this like one crazy dream and so it doesn't some of the things I think could have been more impactful if there was a certain like um more bluntness to the to the cinematography maybe in a way or just more like more defined um, which is kind of strange because I thought Possessor really did have that in spades so um, so yeah uh, overall kind of a mixed bag but I enjoyed it I actually went um, I, so I went to Sundance but I knew it was coming out soon so I skipped it and then ended up um, just seeing on a complete whim after saying knock knock at the cabin I did like a double feature I was playing at like 11 o'clock or like 10 o'clock I was like all right I'm a I usually will, I might fall asleep for this and then I did not. So that I guess is a testament to uh, the film's power in some ways. Um, So yeah. uh, Yeah. Overall, definitely worth seeing, I think uh, just to see kind of Cronenberg evolve a bit as a filmmaker uh, in some ways, and then step back in some other ways, but, um, but yeah, it's fun to see him kind of like Robin, you said, enter this kind of new echelon with kind of bigger stars and uh, maybe bigger concepts in some ways. So, so yeah, those are nutshell thoughts, um, I guess, I mean, spoilers, and I mean, I already kind of said, I think everyone by now knows the kind of clone thing, um, which I had not watched the trailer at all, and I only found that out by editing our Sundance review, and I was mad that I, <laughs> that was spoiled for me, because it would have been fun to like go in the movie not knowing anything at all, Um but yeah, I guess to start things out, I mean, what do people think of um, kind of this concept in general? Like for me, I, I really enjoyed how they didn't try to over-explain any sort of mechanics of how this happens or any of the sci-fi elements they kind of keep to just, you know, this is it, this is what happens. And and then this is this is just how they uh, the characters kind of cope with it. Um,
3: yeah. Do we want to hop into spoilers? Is is that where you're kind of opening yeah. the floor to? Yeah. Or I think okay.
0: why not? Let's do it. Yeah. At yeah, this point, spoilers, it's on VOD. Something. It's available digitally. Yeah. People can see it, so yeah.
3: If, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. Um. Yeah. You know, you can even purchase it, like me, um, because yeah. that was the cheaper option. It, oh yeah. Sure. I guess
0: I should say. Well, so I guess first things we should say the uh regular cut, that the, the R rated cut, oh, is available yeah. now on VOD, and then uh, February uh 28th the uncut version which um we interviewed well we interviewed brandon Konerberg. he said this was a quote honestly the difference he said honestly it was a couple of shots of a silicone penis we we did some we did add some additional shots of semen dripping on rocks there are a few trims here and there it's not hugely different so i hope people go see the theatrical version uh and i guess canada though is getting the uncut version in theaters uh like next week and before the um before it on before it only arrives digitally in the us um so
1: and how
2: uncut are we talking here
1: (laughs) so did 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 no one else see the uncut version because i did see that version that was the version i did not yeah i did
2: not tell us everything well i didn't
1: see i didn't see both so i can't say and really what jordan is describing is pretty much what i what i had read and the close-up of the ejaculating penis certainly is a memorable shot in the film and i guess maybe isn't in the uncut version nope. or isn't in the No, nope, so, didn't
2: see it to, yeah. to
0: confirm this is when they're on the beach right and she gives them like mm-hmm. an impromptu hand job yeah you yes. just see the semen splash kind of on the rocks uh or sand i guess on the ground a bit in the regular version yeah i got to see more than that uh um, i mean
1: definitely Tell us
2: everything <laughs> Describe i guess in it's,
0: detail. i
1: guess yeah. it's a it's a silicone prosthetic but it was very realistic looking um and it is uh quite close up of the ejaculating penis there at the end of the hand job. And <laughs> uh, the other thing that I had read somewhere that was possibly there was more of, and this gets into spoilers, but there's a certain scene with a character getting kind of beaten to a pulp that I
2: guess ah, there's okay, there's yeah.
1: more pulp in the, in the <laughs> version. But other than that, I, I, I don't know, but it was seemed a little weird to me because I, got a screener for the purpose of reviewing it when it was being released in theaters but they sent the version that was in fact not being released in theaters (laughs) oh man
2: do you still have a copy
0: no it was a digital screener that expired unfortunately you have to wait a few days it'll be all the comparison videos will be all across online i'm sure um all right. All right. that Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad it's not like a totally different experience. Like, I because I think Possessor also uh, had that too, where they I don't think they had a different. I know they had two different cuts, but I think they ended up just releasing only the uncut, and it was like the big marketing campaign was like Possessor uncut, um, and that was just what was coming out. So it was kind of this weird thing where um, you didn't have. What the other was option. in
2: Possessor that was a big deal that got cut?
0: More, it was more violence. Uh, like oh. spoiler, Sean Bean, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, he like gets destroyed. He in the movie. dies <laughs>
3: in everything. So yeah, you know, that's not yeah. a spoiler.
0: That's true, but the way, yeah, the way he dies, uh, yeah, um, is brutal. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it was interesting to see Neon just kind of do this camp because I think they only announced the film was even coming out in January and like December, like mid December, and then the fact that it was coming so soon after Sundance, I was like a little worried because it was. You know, it's usually if a movie's coming out like within days of its premiere, it's usually just means oh, this yeah. you know they're just kind of right off the buzz. But in this case, it kind of makes sense, and it actually did like you know it's doing fairly well at the box office for what it is. Um, so yeah, um, so okay, I, yeah, I guess we can go back. What did I mean? Did you guys know going in kind of the concept of the the cloning, and or is that a surprise? And did you kind of did you like the way that was handled? Uh,
2: my buddy David. Rooney wrote a review in The Hollywood Reporter that kind of gave me like the gist of the movie and I think in hindsight I'm like maybe I would have gotten more out of it if I didn't know the ins and outs of the plot but you know as as you've said you know it's not like you know a ton about the mechanics of the cloning like (laughs) it you're just supposed to accept like this is what happens as opposed to going really deep into the sort of anatomical issues or whatever or like even the ethical issues like it 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 just doesn't really go that deep into those things so you know even if I did have the knowledge I don't know if it like totally changed my viewing experience but then again I don't think seeing the uncut version would have changed my viewing experience either so you know you just kind of have to take it at face value when you do see it
0: yeah no yeah for sure um yeah the you know I thought I think it like adds a bit like the um (laughs) adds a bit of humor in certain ways like the I love the shot towards the end I guess towards the end of the second time they are um seeing themselves at least that you're seeing that they're seeing themselves kind of get uh their clones killed and like you think you know you don't know they're, they're in the audience yet so you think it might be like them and then it has like the like audience reaction shot would end like you're like like eating it up um, cheering yeah, yeah, yeah which which cracked me up but i mean did you guys find the movie funny i guess did you also robin you saw it in a the theater or
2: no i saw it uh on what What do you call it like digital pay-per-view or whatever is oh, that what they no. call no. it now <laughs> P-V-O-D. P-V-O-D. my god it's like 1998 in my yeah. brain premium um, vod it,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: well it was you know l- listen i like going to the movie theater but if I'm not going to get a screening invite, then, you know, I have to sort of weigh whether it's worth to leave the house when I'm like in, you know, like a medical situation.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I just have to, yeah. I have to uh, support the Cronenberg family after Crimes of the Future was disappointingly uh, received. So <laughs> uh, no. I understand. Um, <laughs>
2: no, it, maybe yeah. it would have been more enjoyable in the theater because I felt like there are some distractions in my sphere that like would have it would have been a bit of a different viewing experience and it would have been kind of nice to see it with other people because i i do like gauging the communitas experience against you know my feelings of the movie like did did a joke that i thought was really funny land with everybody else like that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah uh josh what about you Did you find humor in your viewing I yeah maybe I mean
1: I also watched I watched this at home on a screener by myself late at night which I think was kind of a good maybe way to do it because I was perhaps not uh, entirely alert all the time and it's a very Mm -hmm. dreamlike film Mm -hmm. not to say that I didn't watch the film carefully and I did review it so I I got the full sense of it but um, I don't know that I thought it was like laugh out loud funny, maybe there is some some dark humor to it. Um, I, I will say that I probably found it more amusing than a movie that people on similar subject matter that people seem to find quite funny, which is Triangle of Sadness that I think uh, yeah. is a common yeah. comparison here and which I did not care for at all. I enjoyed this much more. So in that sense, I guess maybe there's a little more playfulness let's say to this film even though it's very dark and it's it's violent, but um, I think Cronenberg, like his father, perhaps has a, a twisted sense of humor that doesn't always come across to everyone, but I can see finding it funny. I found yeah.
3: it
2: sly. Like, you know, when you watch something, you're like, that was amusing, but you kind of say it in your mind, very stony faced, like you're not actually laughing. You're probably not even smiling, but... You kind of recognize like a computer that was amusing. That's how I kind of felt about this movie. And, you know, like Triangle of Sadness, another movie that was pretty much saved by one performance. Saved.
0: Yeah. Dolly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like, at least, like with Cronenberg, um with this movie, he was, he's like, he believed in the concept so much that it's like he's pushing it to deeper levels where it feels like. For Aslan, it's like each set piece is like a way to just kind of crack a joke that may or may not work, and it's like it's you know very kind of more full of itself, I would say. Whereas like it's it's fun. Like I feel like he sold. You know, the the world of Infinity Pool was like completely sold for me. Like I really liked how, uh, you know, he created this, you know, the environment and like even this. Um, I guess he made it, the the language that uh is in the film is entirely made up that he like wrote out the Lee Tolkien um, language. Yeah, the yeah yeah. Uh, which is funny and i guess he he was saying like the experience uh was inspired by he went to the dominican republic uh like 20 years ago and had like some off uh off resort like uh like traveling thing yeah excursions and he saw just like all the poverty and like stuff and and all these like resort towns and how it's just like you know you know one percent versus 99 percent of all the tourists that are just living it up in like one you know one mile away um and so yeah
3: i i i don't know about y'all but uh you know i went to cancun for my honeymoon and uh not not necessarily because that was like our ideal vacation spot but because we were going to do a destination wedding uh, uh join a friend for her destination wedding and it was at cancun and all you know all paid expenses paid resort and um had to cancel with that because of covid and then some other things came up and so we just had that voucher and we were like fuck it Mm -hmm. like let's just make the easy decision and use that as our honeymoon we don't have to you know uh yeah anyways um it was interesting because why I don't think we had a compound structure around the resort that we were staying in, Um, but Cancun is kind of famous for um, being a resort, a luxury resort kind of destination area, um, especially for a lot of, you know, the South or just the U.S. in general, Um, but especially in the South, uh, it's a very popular destination spot. And one of the hotels that we were actually picking up some other guests on, in our little like um shuttle tour or shuttle back to the airport it was in like a compound like structure like they had Mm -hmm. like a a full-on like uh stone wall that was like seven feet high and then like the sliding gate and it was just you know one of the things that i remember getting back from that was a All expense kind of luxury resort like that is nice for about three days. And then you kind of feel trapped. It doesn't matter how big the place is. It doesn't matter how nice the food is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. You end up just kind of being like, well, I kind of paid for me to stay here and do nothing but eat and drink and like do whatever else I want in this resort. So it feels kind of wasteful to go out outside of those confines and like you know explore the town or explore the the location a little bit but it was it was just a very odd feeling like this is our safe space we paid a lot of money to be here and like that's it and i i couldn't help but feel that same way about this film where you know very much it was like yeah don't don't go outside the compound and this one was a little bit more uh intrusive in in that message where it was just like oh no 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 like you are not allowed to leave not like oh be safe when you leave but no like you you can't you know um to the point where like they have no way to like get back into the compound i thought i thought that was such a a crazy like when you say compound you mean the resort yes yeah which is a compound
0: with, with yeah, like I high, know, it's high the, security. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it, it, yeah. You know, when I think of a compound, I think of like Mormons, you know, kind of living off the grid yeah. like, as opposed like to Alcatraz. Like, no, yeah. yeah, yeah well, but like are,
1: it's more like, you know, we talk about like, like drug dealer compounds or whatever that seems right. like more like what it is where these people yeah. are living in, in opulence while there's horrible poverty all around them. That's kind of what it reminded me of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Josh, I mean, you know, one of the things I know about you is that you're not like the most vacation-oriented person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was curious kind of your take on this. And like, I don't know if you've had experiences that mirror this. Cause like, you seem almost like allergic to the type of, you know, traveling that is happening in this movie. Like, I- I'm just curious your-, your sort of personal thoughts.
1: Yeah, that is very true. I mean, on a personal level, I would not Travel to this compound, to this resort, rather. And if I found myself at this resort for some reason, I certainly would not leave. For and that would, they wouldn't have to prevent me from leaving. I just wouldn't. I'd just stay in the room the whole time, probably, and enjoy the, yeah. the food and, and the food and drink. So, my idea of going on vacation is traveling to a hotel and sitting in the room and watching movies on the TV in a different room than the room that I normally sit in at my house to watch movies. So,
2: I, I seem to remember you. Writing about that at one point, and I was like, Oh, yeah, like this is kind of your nightmare
3: in so many <laughs> other ways well, that's
1: what yeah, I, no, yeah, no
3: movies whatsoever,
1: yeah, right. What are they doing? They're not watching movies or they're not satisfied with just watching movies or reading reading books. I mean, he's a writer, come on, just read it, just read a novel, enjoy yourself, so
2: honestly, yeah. resort seems so boring to me, and I say this as like an avid traveler, like my uh girlfriend's and I went on a a bachelor party like a year ago and we went to Puerto Rico and you know we stayed at this like really nice hotel and I was like digging the hotel and like all the not all but like a few of the other uh women on the trip really just wanted to like sit at the pool all day and it was a nice pool and it had like a, a swim bar and all that kind of stuff and I'm like I'm good with that for like Two hours. Like, that's about as much as I can take. Like, I want to go kayaking. I want to go, like, shopping. I want to look at the historical (laughs) center. Like, I just can't sit around the beach. I can't sit around the pool for, like, the whole day. That's just wild to me. I know some people love that. I just can't do it.
0: Yeah. You need to go hit someone with your car and just, like, see what happens. I just want to, I just
2: want to see someone. Bleed, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I had not seen uh, that movie, The Forgiven, last year, but I guess it like has the exact same plot minus the sci-fi element. Like it's Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain. Uh... What do you mean sci-fi? Well, like they they hit some. They're like on a vac- vacation. <laughs> uh, yeah, they like uh, hit someone with their car while they're on like a wealthy vacation, and then um, I actually oh, think shit. Christopher okay. Christopher Abbott's in that movie. Uh, but then it just is like a very. I guess I did not see it, but I, it's like a very standard drama. Uh, about like what happens after so it was funny to see like this movie just take that concept and then, like go the complete opposite direction um but yeah i mean i, I mean talking about the acting i was I, like mia goth i had not seen um either of the time. well I, sorry i saw x and i did not like it so i, I skipped pearl but everyone's say, is saying pearl is like 180 better. degrees better yeah um but yeah i mean she definitely has impressed and like I, I mean her first movie was nymphomaniac so like when you come out of the gate of that and then i remember a cure for wellness she was like extremely memorable in and then uh high life and suspiria and then yeah it's it's kind of crazy her
2: and emma uh, she's amazing emma. In emma yeah i know
0: she is good in emma yeah
3: cure for wellness that's uh that's yeah um... gore, gore
0: Verbinski's. Uh, yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah i and love has... i love that
1: movie i think that's a super underrated movie a cure for wellness yeah. and it seemed to have killed gore Verbinski's career but I know. it was worth it's it so
0: sad. i know i agree yeah um but yeah, I mean her I love like the first uh dinner scene they have together with like the two couples and you can just tell like yeah. <laughs> like no good is gonna come from this and it's like it's just it's so well shot and then um and then yeah, I mean how it kind of progresses is great. Um her uh I mean did you guys like the like I, the way kind of cornerburg shoots? I love how he has like the extreme like close ups on it, like actors' faces, like when they're going through certain things. Like I feel like, you know, so many so many other directors would kind of maybe like pull back a bit and he's like, you know, when Skarsgard's going through the worst of his shit, he's just like locked in on him in like uncomfortable ways. I feel like that like adds a lot to the movie. Um and then I liked I really I did like the way uh like the orgy scene was shot. Like it, it kind of went it pushed a bit further than I thought it would in terms of like the kind of hallucinogenic feel. Um but yeah.
3: It it, it makes you wonder if like that was an actual like on-screen effect that he was kind of pulling off, or if that was all like just post and digital, and oh, you know, yeah. just took a standard frame and then fucked it up in in post. You know, yeah. Um, because, Seems like I mean, a yeah, mix.
0: I would say like probably the lighting was heavily, uh, you know, on set, but in, then the yeah, a lot of the effects were in post. I would guess whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah um do you think yeah, that, that oh i'm oh, sorry i
2: was just gonna say like you know obviously uh brandon is compared with his father a lot but i sometimes think that he's almost more influenced, like by kubrick
0: I, yeah i actually got like a, a Gaspar bar kind of feel with this movie but yeah well i mean there's like you mean like kind of eyes wide shot feel here like the
2: well not even just that like you can almost say like clockwork like that yeah it, it in some ways is more of a a thematic cousin to this movie than than you know a standard orgy movie or whatever yeah well, I,
1: it definitely reminded me a lot of eyes wide shut which i happened to have rewatched like right before this and and the theme of i think the tom cruise character in eyes wide shut and scarzgard's character in here have similar sort of Positions in life where Mm -hmm. they're adjacent to the like 1% of the 1%. Like, no matter how wealthy they are, they're still outside the like inner, inner circle and they're desperate to get in. And the people in that circle are just looking at them and laughing at them Mm -hmm. while they attempt to uh, sort of receive their approval and are willing to debase themselves in various kinky, sexualized ways in order to get into that inner place that they really want to be
2: i think that's a good comparison i've been watching this show called dangerous liaisons which is obviously based on the the novel it's sort of like a prequel you know reimagining and it's very much about you know social climbing and exactly what you're describing like the the joy of the nobility seeing people try to raise themselves up and how it's it's entertainment to them it's it's hilarity to them and i think That was actually exemplified very well in the scene toward the end of the film where uh, Mia Goth kind of reveals herself as, or or she tries to do this like infantilizing thing with James, where she starts doing like baby talk. And I loved that scene actually, because first of all, she's just like totally deranged, but at the same time, you know, you start to really see the glee (laughs) that she has taken in this whole process. Uh, and it, you know he starts to, he starts to understand the conspiracy behind this whole this whole thing, which is that you know for shits and giggles this couple or this woman kind of ingratiates herself with with somebody that she thinks of as like a social loser and gets him to, as you said, like continuously debase himself. But the the way she's sort of patronizing him is just so good, and it's so. I don't know, just like very um it's very, you know, 18th century France to me, like right before the revolution. Just just how gross the the upper classes can be and how much you know that's just like an everyday experience for them. You know, there's this great scene toward the end of the, toward the very very movie where is on the bus you know they're on the way to the airport and he's just like listening to Mia and some other chick just talk about like how boring it is at home and all the errands that they have to do and he's just like the look in his eyes is like holy shit like this is nothing to them this is this is like pure quotidian life yeah
3: Yeah. (laughs) I think I think one of the things that's interesting is if you take this and you have like a double feature with the first purge movie i think they would probably bounce off of each other really well where it's kind of like this is their annual like get out of free or get out of jail free card and they can just have a debaucherous weekend and then come back and go back to their normal lives you know and and they have this kind of outlet um i don't know if it's necessarily like a, a fantasy thing that some people have like, Oh man, what, what if, what if I could just like get away for, get away with anything for like a weekend? Um, you know, uh, I think one thing that's important to remember is this film does a great job of them telling you at the beginning when, when, uh, you know uh, when he realizes what is happening that you know he he's basic that they've also gone through this experience is that they're like was is isn't it like crazy the first time that this actually happens like you're you're freaked out you're scared and then you have like this kind of like internal struggle over whether you're the actual clone or not and they kind of highlight that it was kind of a fucked up experience for them as well but because they've gone through it so many times by now they've become numb to it and they no longer really are affected by it um or maybe they are and they're just not willing to admit that right maybe it's taking a piece of their soul slowly uh each time it happens
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wish the film got like a deeper into that kind of psychology more because I feel like when you set up this premise, it's like going to be fairly obvious that he's going to like come across his own clone at some point. And then like, I don't know, I like when, when he, when they, when he comes in the house and there's the, uh you know, guy with a, you know, bag over his head or the, you know, the covering on his face and you're like, you're not, you know, then he's like, they instruct him to like beat him up. It's like, I, I like, as soon as that started happening, I was like, oh, this is like so obvious. And like, and then it just kind of, I feel like that from that moment on the movie kind of petered out for me. And um and then even like mm-hmm. the scene you're talking about, Robin, like at the um it was a funny like kind of coda at the end on the bus, but it's like it's just so 180 from like the insanity before that it feels like it's just kind of a gag at the end and not like any sort of like believable through line for the characters. And not that I know like by that point it's kind of everything's gone off the deep end and he's not trying to go for that, but it just kind of like i i'm more rather than like leaning in and like being more interested in the journey i kind of ended up tuning out by that point um mm-hmm.
2: i felt the same way honestly that's why it you know it's sort of picked up maybe for me in like the last two scenes yeah But a lot of the middle to me is a little bit muddled um i think the, for exactly the reasons that you're describing because it doesn't go deep enough into the philosophical quandaries that it's bringing up
1: I feel like maybe he's less interested in the philosophical ideas and more interested in the psyche of Alexander Skarsgård's character. And I did like, Robert, in that scene that you're describing, one thing that I really liked of the scene where Mia Goth reveals we've just been fucking with you this whole time, that Mm -hmm. I think dramatically what you expect as a viewer is for the reaction to that, for him to get really mad and it's like oh now here's the sort of next iteration of the story where he's going to get back at them for this right but all he does is just debase (laughs) himself more (laughs) and more and more and I kind of I kind of love that because it's like you you think this guy can't get more pathetic and yet he does yeah
2: Yeah, I I think that's a good point (laughs) I think and I was
0: also taken aback I think the cut so like there's this great, you know, what is it, seven eight minute orgy scene, and then and then like I think isn't the cut like right after just to like some like really off put off putting something at the brunch where they're throwing food at some at, yes. at the people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember being like, okay, he's like trying to fuck with us a bit. Where you think it's gonna like, you know, potentially get sexier, and it just gets like creepier, or more disgusting. Um, and yeah, no, I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, but you know, I agree. I do like. I think scars guard like definitely carries you through because he's. I don't know. Watching him, like, who's like, he could have, he could have a career that's like, you know, uh, Thor type, uh, super, you know, like he could like go down the rabbit hole of just like, I going to be a like suave leaning man, and to see him like kind of take on stuff like the Northmen and this and just other things is like, it's kind of a joy to watch and just go for it. Um,
3: yeah he definitely knows that he's a pretty looking human right and he's like what what is what is the thing that and arguably you know mia goth is the same way right um she's a former model um and stuff like that and you know he's coming off of i don't know when when he made the north man compared to this but he certainly doesn't look like he's in the same shape um body type wise not 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 like stature um but you know uh I, I think it is interesting when some of these you know very prototypical kind of leading men um end up going down these these rabbit holes where they're just like nah i'm i'm into this weird ass shit right i think like, he's always done
2: that it. though like yeah he's a pretty face but he did true blood so he played like a fucking weird vampire dude um he did uh, oh my God, what's that show called? He, he, uh,
0: well, I was going to say he did. He also had Lars von show earlier with Melancholia, but he, I mean, he tried. Like I feel like well, yeah, a few I forgot he was he,
2: in that. Yeah. And and yeah. obviously, Northman, which was like totally, you know, a totally wonderfully unhinged performance. And yeah. uh, he did. Um, he played the villain in the show. Oh my God, what is it called? It was like that drama with like Big Little, little, eyes. Oh, big, big little yeah, Lies. Thank you. Big Little Lies. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he played somebody that was like a fucking cold hearted motherfucker in that show like this guy even if he doesn't do horror in the same way that like a lot of other actors does he definitely courts it and his brother is also a bit of a scream queen himself no
0: no i know but i feel like skarsgård's career is funny because because there is times about his career where he tries to like take a big swing with a blockbuster and then it always fails like battleship and um tarzan Uh, Tarzan. and then even (laughs) i mean i i hated it but godzilla versus kong which i know was kind of a hit but like i feel like but he's so like, he, you don't even remember that he's in that movie. So like, I feel like there's, you know, if you look at his career, every interesting project is like usually on a smaller scale, even though he's trying to do bigger things throughout his career. And then hopefully he'll just like, <laughs> I don't know, give up. I and, think and... he's
2: just really leans into the weird. Like,
3: yeah, I'm okay with great. that. Yeah. I, I just realized yeah. that he also starred in Mute which was you know uh Duncan Jones like this famous like you know project that he had for such a long time and then it kind of got released with a whimper Um, yeah you know I I mean certainly if you look at the cast and Brian and I have joked about it like if you look at the cast of Tarzan you're like holy fuck Yeah. like how the hell did this movie not like make a ton of money at the you know and uh, apparently it's kind of you know middling to bad and same thing with me does anyone yeah.
2: give a shit about tarzan uh, yeah,
3: like I as a
0: cultural I mean, entity w- though warner warner brothers did and hope that other people would <laughs> but yeah no, i mean i agree i don't think it's like you know people aren't dying to see the latest tarzan as we know but
3: um yeah, if I know a good I'm... movie. People, people have a tendency to see it. You know, um, it's and... also
2: like a a cultural remnant of sure. colonialism and stuff that people just don't relate to as much today.
1: But well, it's IP, I... so they'll they'll do something <laughs> right. with it again eventually. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it's ip but but also you know don't don't discount the the disney machinations to like update it and you know give it give it a fresh coat of paint and and all of that i don't know if disney owns the rights to tarzan live action or not um sounds like maybe they don't but uh you know maybe that's in in just general public or public domain by now but yeah, I mean, I think I think you can you can update um, things that have troubling like colonialism ties and stuff like that, um, all of that stuff. So I think I think there's a healthy way to you know exercise those demons in a way um, where it's like it's it's IP, but also I'm gonna update it so it it doesn't suck. Not as much. all IP is created equal. Like,
1: sure. <laughs> But as long as it has the name recognition, I think, Bill, that you're right, that they could strip everything else out of it except the loincloth and the word Tarzan. And because people have some sort of association in their mind that that's a thing, that that's that's all these studios are looking for sometimes out of these, these IP properties.
3: Yeah, I mean, the way that that could be developed is it is completely different, not related to the IP at all. And they just slap Tarzan on top of it. And they're like, oh. Well, what if we just called it Tarzan? And someone's like, "Will that get it financed?" Yes, it will. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. You know, I mean, that's that's happened all throughout Hollywood. Um, whether you look at like the third Die Hard movie or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask for you guys who going back to the film the um <laughs> that you for the half of us I think that I've seen Antiviral is it? Can you kind of chart the evolution of like? Cronenberg's career or is it because like, antiviral i feel like most of what i've heard it felt like a nice like swing but not like a great movie overall is that um it feels like he's really kind of expanded what he's doing with each film is, would that be fair to say
1: yeah i think so but i think that all three of his films are stylistically and thematically similar and i i actually again for the the podcast that we did on antiviral also watched his uh, short film, Please Speak Continuously and Describe Your Experiences as They Come to You uh, from 2019, which deals with a lot of the same thematic and and stylistic stuff. So I I think you can see him maybe refining what he was doing, but I think a lot of the ideas of it and antiviral deals with a lot of like like celebrity worship and again, you know, class structure and things like that, um, that... Is prevalent throughout his work and the body horror aspect of it that maybe comes from his father. So I think all his films are solid, but I do think if you watch them all in in succession, you might think, okay, this guy has one idea that he's just sort of dancing around a bunch of
0: different ways. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to revisit it after really liking you know Possessor and then this to an extent. Um, And I know I think his next project, which is interesting, is. um, the J.G. Ballard adaptation, Supercan, which, and it's going to be for TV. So I'm curious to see, like, what, if he has to, like, kind of, depending what I'm, su- I, don't, I don't know if it's been picked up by a certain place yet, but I think it's, um, it'd be interesting to see if he has to tone down, things down at all. And obviously, there's, you know, the crash connection with uh, his father adapting Ballard will be, it'll be interesting to see what he does there.
2: Is this going to um, be another one of those, like, wackadoo, pomo adaptations? Like, the White Noise film? No, oh,
0: I I don't think... I've not read Supercam, but I don't think it's as, like, beloved. Like, it's not... The source material isn't as, like, beloved and, like, he has... I don't think he has to stick to it. You know what I mean? It's not, like... I feel like White Noise was, like, slavishly trying to do something with the source material because it was so, you know... Un, un. I guess I should say it's not, like, unfilmable like everyone thought White Noise was, which potentially was the was true so potentially
2: they were correct yeah
0: um i'm just trying to think
2: of like if someone tried to do dfw like if you know um, Mm -hmm. like infinite jest like (laughs) even if you did that as a tv series i it's just so hard to imagine
0: no um yeah, I'm trying to think, is there anything else in Infinity Pool we haven't touched on that? Uh... I,
3: I I thought this was kind of touching on what y'all were talking about a little bit before. Um, there was this New York Times uh I don't know if it was a review, but it came from the New York Times. Uh, Jeanette Katsoulis uh, wrote, Surreal, sophisticated, and sometimes sickening, infinity pools suggest that while the elder Cronenberg might be fixated on the disintegration of our bodies, his son is more concerned with the destruction of our souls. I thought that was kind of interesting that y'all were kind of talking about you know, Jordan, specifically, you were kind of highlighting that this film focuses so much on Guards, like mentality and his mindset. Um, through mm-hmm. this, um, I think what's interesting is it sounds almost you know, especially with like the last shot of the film where it's clear like he decided not to go home and instead like <laughs> sit at this resort during monsoon season um like a fucking maniac um and you know he's his life seems like it is such a failure on so many different levels right um they kind of uh mia goss character kind of you know uh uh, like throws it in his face that like no, I didn't fucking read your book. Your book is terrible, and here's this awful <laughs> review. Like, you know, nobody recognizes it. Nobody knows who you are. Like, nobody else at this resort recognizes who he is, right? And, yeah. you and know, it's
0: it's also revealed he's living off his uh his partner's his wife's, yeah, money, yeah yeah
3: who's who's like a. It seems like he, oh, or her father is the one that actually published his book right yeah as almost like a favor like maybe like a wedding favor in a way or something like that um you know it's it's just it just sounds like he's not really been able to to kind of find success anywhere else in his life except you know he's a failure to launch yeah I, I'm not sh- I've i never seen that so uh, I
2: mean I'm not necessarily referring to the film but like
3: okay I, is that a common phrase I've never heard that before I don't of know the I just
2: it's <laughs> it's the idea like he just never he just never went anywhere in his life I mean his mm-hmm. wife even talks about this like oh my father told me never to marry a writer so that was the first thing I ever did
3: sure sure uh huh
1: I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity that she never came back, that she leaves and she storms out and then she's just gone. And their relationship seemed like there was like, Robin, you were just saying the way she describes it. It seemed like maybe there was some more that could be explored there. And yeah. she just disappears from the movie and and never returns and, and is like barely even mentioned at that point because we're so fixated on the dynamic between him and Mia goth and and Mia goth is so mesmerizing of course but I do like Cleopatra Coleman as an actor and I feel like they could have given her both the actor and the character a uh, something else there at the yeah, end Yeah,
2: she has nothing to do unfortunately I agree yeah. Agreed.
3: I, I did I did find that phone conversation interesting where he's just like all right uh I'm gonna head home and yeah. you can tell like she is not being combative over the phone and you're just like is this actually going to happen? Like, is she? is he just like, I, I just expect that conversation to go, Hey, I'm coming home. And her going, no, you have no home. Like you're at, like I've already taken all your stuff. It's, it's on the curb. Like you're not coming back into my house. You know? Um, I, I found that interesting that he even had, you know, she, I don't know. Like, it, like I said, it just didn't seem like she was very, uh, very much pushing back against him actually coming home. Um, well, so I f- I as the end...
2: As the end kind of proves, you can't go home again. I mean, like, literally, but also figuratively. Like, he he can't just go back to his old life. He he needs to do his penance.
3: He's been actually changed by this, and, mm-hmm. and everybody else hasn't, right? Well, right we, well, don't think- that. we don't know
2: that. We don't know if they have or have not been changed. They've just this is their new normal. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I think one of the things maybe there, too, is the idea that because the wife, you know, she is part of this upper echelon that he is trying to get into, and so maybe she could take him back because she's in a way like these other people, even though she's not going to participate in it, she is so above everything being at this level of wealth that she can be like, yeah, sure, go go, do your weird thing where you kill your clone. And then when you're done with it, come home and we'll move on. So it just, they don't give a, her a chance to delve into that. But I, I, I could believe that that could be the case for that character.
3: Yeah, I, I would have, I, I agree. I would have liked to see her like, try and pull him more uh, back towards the center Um, you know uh, instead of fluttering in the wind as he kind of ends up doing um, I, I think it would have been more interesting to have someone opposite him or you know kind of tying him down a little bit um and trying to give him like a grounded look at things versus you know once once she leaves it's like all bets are off you know and and certainly like he he embraces that in a a lot of ways he just like like y'all were saying right you expect him to be like oh okay well we'll fuck these people and like let me get the hell out of here and instead he just fucking embraces it you know in a way yeah
0: yeah i will say there's a fun element to not having like a voice of reason in the movie because it's just like (laughs) that it makes it just this crazy odyssey which i yeah it does get repetitive but at the same time it's like oh they're just upping the ante more and more and it's like i feel like it would have been a big like studio note to be like okay we need to have this maybe like as we see in other films of this ilk um this so is a
2: moralistic did... voice
0: right exactly yeah it's, it was kind of fun and fun to just kind of go down this rabbit hole with them and not you know have any kind of grasp to, to a reality in any way really um but yeah i'm also like trying to trudge my way through like white lotus season two and this was much more entertaining so far than that which i haven't oh finished, my god but, um total so... disagree disagree you you like it
2: yeah, I, I oh i
3: love white lotus yeah.
0: Uh, okay, I I, I mean, I'm only I've only watched like I think three episodes, but I'm like watching one every month just to. That,
3: that's another <laughs> that's another uh uh show where they they clearly are not like at an all well maybe they are at an all inclusive I don't know but they are because they eat at the fucking restaurant
2: every night yeah you know, uh, yeah that's
3: that's that's the criticism that's production budget is, is, no <laughs> is is you are fucking in in Italy right and it's like uh fucking go to a different restaurant do not eat at the hotel restaurant you fucking maniacs like <laughs> what are you doing go explore the city go go eat somewhere else
2: yeah, yeah. i mean a it's lot. a narrative choice they need people to be all in the same place to have those conversations Whoa. it's but, just but not it's believable. Also,
3: it it is though because these people are so wealthy and so above it all that they're like oh i'll be back like it's not like i'm going to miss it i'll i'll be back next year like who who the fuck cares like i'm just going to eat at a hotel bar today you know so if i go if i go there i'm fucking like i got my top 10 of like places i need to hit like fuck you guys <laughs> i'm i'm out of here like i gotta knock e- each of these out and you know <laughs> i i remember planning my trip to san francisco with my wife and like i had like 20 things i wanted to do and we were gonna be there for like an extended weekend and she was like bill what are you doing and i was like well You don't have to join me for all of this, but I'm going to knock out most of this.
2: I mean, my husband and I did visit five cities in Switzerland in three days, so you can fucking do it. (laughs) Wow, that is impressive. No, we're just insane.
0: Yeah. we. I usually do like, we usually, like, we don't go, you know, with a kid now, it's rare. But when we went on (laughs) trips, it was like two weeks. We would go and then like go to a country and then do like a third of the time in three different spots and one of those spots was like more relaxing but the other two were like running around a lot um so it's yeah. a good balance i feel like but yeah I, but i'm with you rob and i like neat it's like once i'm you know after two hours at a place unless i'm like reading a great book and really want to keep going i'm like all right let, i'm i can do this any place really <laughs> like let, let's go see some stuff i just get easily
2: yeah. habituated like yeah i remember you know like okay my my friends and i went to lisbon uh you know back in december and it was great but like literally after four days, I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. And I'm sure, like, I could have explored a lot more in the city, but it was like, I got the vibe. Let's move on to a different one. Like,
3: I, I don't know. <laughs> I need to change the vibes here. Isn't that
2: like? Isn't that the brattiest thing you've ever heard? Like, I realized that. Very <laughs> but like, that's my brand. I'm a brat. Um, I and like I realized... these vibes, But I
3: need new vibes. <laughs> exactly. And like, maybe they're worse. (laughs) I don't know, but I need new vibes.
2: (laughs) But I will say like, I have been home for the last three and a half weeks and I'm kind of, the vibes (laughs) are like, I'm watching like at least two movies a day. Like I'm with Josh, like this is my staycation. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm in my house, which is like a place I really am into. And I'm just kind of laying in bed watching movies because what else can I do when I can't really move my face? So,
3: so if forced to, you can eat at the hotel restaurant.
2: Uh, it really, really depends. Like <laughs> <laughs> most of the time, I'm gonna do the bucket list shit, so probably not. But there are some really great hotel restaurants out there.
3: Now, now you're just drinking out of a bucket.
2: <laughs> my spit box. uh Uh, josh you're probably just like yeah or you could just like go to a hotel in henderson and watch a bunch of movies
1: (laughs) that's not that's not entirely far off yeah i have no i have no uh contribution to this discussion uh because i do not travel and i have not watched the white lotus
2: yeah that's Ah. valid totally valid what you know what might What I know about you, Josh, uh, just because we've known each other for for a long time, you know, for like blogs and stuff, uh, is that you don't like people really, you don't like going places (laughs) or travel or, you know, but like, obviously, you are very connected to human stories, because this is what you've made your life out of. So I find it, I find it so interesting that you sort of use the screen in that particular way, at least how I've sort of read it.
1: No that's that's a very good psychoanalysis of me there Robin. Um, yeah, I I would like you were talking about kayaking like I would never go kayaking but I would watch a movie about people going kayaking like that would be great. I'm all for that. So, yeah, I'll watch a nature documentary but Jesus, don't put me in nature ever, please. So that that is yes, that is my my window into the world and into to human interaction um that and uh talking to people on podcasts that's pretty much all i got
2: i'm with it i i get it i i am not a hiker so i kind of feel anytime i see people's hiking photos i'm like that's so nice for you i'm gonna enjoy your photo from the confines of my house (laughs) yes so
0: happy for you yeah yeah
2: Yeah. (laughs) that's
0: great all right all right any other infinity pool thoughts feelings
2: no I think uh, we covered it
0: nice yeah um yeah I mean I'm glad I kind of made a bit of a splash I'm I'm even though like like Ha-ha. I said, mix, mixed upon- apart <laughs> exactly mixed to positive i always nice to see the Cronenberg family doing stuff and actually um Caitlin Cronenberg David Cronenberg's other uh offspring is going to be making uh <laughs> has made a film and i think comes out this year as well so it's a big year and david kronenberg starts shooting his new next new film uh in like the next few weeks i think so uh, do you know what
2: hers is about or like at least the genre
0: um good question i'm not sure i know his is the shrouds which is like about a some uh leah say do i think
2: oh looks at i love like her a,
0: I think yeah she's reuniting i think she works at like a mortuary or something which sounds about right
2: yeah sounds perfect
0: uh yeah okay. let's see i'm i'm looking out yeah hers is called humane it's a environmental themed thriller uh with jay baruchel canada's canada's finest <laughs> <at> <laughs> <a lot. laughs> yeah Oh, interesting. Uh, Humane Humane takes place over a single day, months after a global environmental collapse has forced world leaders to take extreme measures to reduce the Earth's population. In a wealthy enclave, a recently retired newsman invites his four grown children to to dinner to announce his intentions to enlist in a nation's new euthanasia program. But when the father's plan goes horribly awry, tensions flare and chaos erupts erupts among his children. Um, All right. It sounds very Cronenbergian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll watch it. It sounds like primed for like a TIFF premiere in, in Canada. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess if that's it. Uh, any other closing th- thoughts in general?
2: No, but, you know, speaking of Jay Baruchel, I know that he, uh, in Berlin, they just screened yeah. Blackberry. And I'm like really hyped for that movie.
0: Yeah. I, I really like that uh, Matt Johnson. He did... um uh operation avalanche which was fun and i feel like he did oh the dirties which was fun Mm. and uh, this is like it was his his like a big his version of the social network i heard so uh, that's funny
2: well basically the movie is about the rise and fall of blackberry the the cell phones that sort of preceded the iphone so i'm down for it i like a i like an industry movie (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and uh glenn howerton as you've never seen him before supposedly so uh (laughs) yeah i think i think that's coming out in june from uh ifc films i think so cool not too far off um all right well if you're listening to this you probably already heard your top 10 episode which i have not heard yet (laughs) because i'm waiting for the file but i'm curious to hear you guys your takes um and yeah i know what you guys are talking about cocaine bear i know in a bit and then another a special episode for the 500th uh episode of film stage show which is exciting Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. excited, and then we still have almost an entire month to go for the, until the Oscars, which is just crazy. Um, but hey, I'm not ready. Well. <laughs> Looks like All Quiet on the Western Front is going to take it all, according to the BAFTAs. So we'll yeah, see we'll happens. see. No, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, um, Josh, can we can you remind people how we can find you and if you have anything else to plug? Now is your chance. All right.
1: Um. Yeah. You can find my writing, like I said, in a whole bunch of places. Including uh, Inverse, Crooked Marquee, CBR, and elsewhere. Uh, I try to funnel that all through my social media. You can follow me on uh, Facebook at Josh Bell Hates Everything and on Twitter and on Letterboxd at SignalBleed. And check out the awesome movie year podcast that I co host with comedian Jason Harris. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it's at awesomemovieyear.com, at awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, and at awesomemoviepod on Twitter. And we did just do an episode on antiviral if you want to hear more about Brandon Cronenberg. And our current season is all about the films of 2012.
0: Excellent. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, yeah. All right, Bill, how about yourself?
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet much. I'm going to have to change that at some point. Um, but,
2: uh, yeah,
3: well, you know, that's, that's one location that people can find me. Um, (laughs) which is pointless to say, continue to say if I don't tweet, um, which is what I'm trying to say. That maybe I'll start doing more. um I'm sure that's not problematic. You can become
0: um, a you can become a verified uh, Facebook and Instagram user now for twelve dollars a month. <laughs> Did you see uh, Zuckerberg announced that copying Elon Musk, which is just crazy. Are you serious? Kind of, yeah, yeah, dead serious. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah.
3: Okay, well, great, uh, great they, minds think alike. Yeah, awesome they need
0: money. Yep. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, wow. I'm sure that'll be a very profitable thing <laughs> for them. Um, yes. yeah, I, I, will not try and tell these billionaires how to, uh, run their companies, but that seems like a dumb idea. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, that being said, maybe I'll tweet that. Uh, maybe, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. I am not checkmarked on that. Uh, I don't want to be checkmarked as Billstagram, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm also mixing it up on the Slack channel as always uh always a good time there excellent and robin
2: yep uh well as always you can find me on twitter at r-o-b-y-n-b-a-h-r am um, also on letterboxd at the same name i also want to remind people who don't already know that i rate out of four stars not five the fifth star is dead to me so if i seem like i tend to rate things fairly low um, it's actually just because I'm rating out of four stars. And speaking of rating things low, uh, what I love, Josh, is that you you say that your, you know, your screen name is Josh hates everything. He really does. Because um, when I follow <laughs> your letterbox, I'm always like, hmm, like definitely Josh hated that one. <laughs> or like, oh, I'm so glad I agree with Josh on this one because we both hated it. <laughs> so well, I <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that.
1: And I appreciate that that you appreciate it, and I do. I do uh, adhere to Sturgeon's law uh, regarding all this stuff, which is uh, that ninety percent of everything is crap. But that means <laughs> that ten percent of it is worthwhile. So it's exactly worth getting to that. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yes. My my letterbox ratings is like a perfect bell curve, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like most things that I watch are just like fall in the middle, and then like the very very tiny percent, like. Uh, 200 movies is like maybe a perfect movie or something so i don't know Uh, i guess i'm a tough a tough critic um and what else uh yeah so and you can sometimes find my writing at the hollywood reporter and i really do want to thank josh for being on here i feel like i was a little cryptic about this but like i actually know josh because we both went to the same college like not at the same time but we kind of met through like blog like an alumni blogging community years later so like he's seen me write things very intimate things about my life and (laughs) vice versa so I feel like I just know you very well from that, um and maybe you feel like you know me from that other part of my life as well. So, so it, this was a special episode for me. Oh well, thank
1: you. Yeah, it is. It is a very weird thing there. I was wondering if you're going to drop your Plan World handle along with your Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> we don't talk about, about Plan World. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: going to say Robin has hinted at a lot of uh, extracurricular writing. Writing, <laughs> I guess you could say <laughs> that. Uh, it's just a a mystery. You have to find it. You have to discover on the internet if you can track it down.
2: There's weirdly like a lot of Amherst alums who are film critics. I feel like so. there
0: are,
1: and it's all kind of concentrated in those more recent years. Yeah. And uh, I know you you guys had uh, Des Baugh on an episode, who's mm-hmm. another Amherst alum. So work in the Amherst network. There, it's uh, wonderful yeah, to them. see.
2: Nice. Oh, I I do. I work it. It's such a small community. so <laughs> I work it. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Uh, all right. Well, you can follow me at, uh, JP Raup, uh, on Twitter and yeah. And, uh, if you missed it before, we are sponsored by MUBI a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. Uh, you can try MUBI for free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash film stage. That's MUBI.com slash film stage for a whole month of great cinema for free. Uh, and yeah, we'll be in your ears again soon. Um, Not me, but Brian will be back um, talking about a bunch of new fun releases. So uh, yeah, stay tuned and we'll see you later.